0: straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.
1: You are listening to Israel Unplugged with a special twist today. Due to the invasion of the Ukraine by Russia and Jews fleeing there and other Ukrainian citizens trying to get out of harm's way. We're going to be doing a special broadcast today, and I'm going to be interviewing, actually, your show host at this regular time, Josh Wander, and he is in Moldova right now. And that is the southwestern border of the Ukraine. He is there on a mission in order to help the people fleeing. And he's going to be giving us an on-the-ground report from what is happening there. Rabbi Moshe Lichtman, your other co-host, is going to be joining us on the show as well for the interview. And then he'll be giving a uh, word about the Torah in the last segment as well. So a lot going on. I also just finished an interview with a mother, a young mother, who fled the Ukraine by car with her children and her husband. It took them over, I believe, 20 hours. They waited another 10 hours at the border of Romania, which is also just directly uh, west, uh, southwest I should say, of the Ukraine. And they are uh, trying to get to France because they have family in France. So that interview is going to be up very soon. It's probably already up if you're listening to this on a replay. Go to our homepage at Israel News Talk Radio and check out our videos. And you're going to see this beautiful young woman who had to uh, live in her car the last uh, couple of days. How how they fled uh, even just as the Sabbath was going out in order to flee for their lives and their safety and their children. Uh, check out all of our videos at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Some of them are just amazing stories. Again, I want to say there's one called Former PLO Sniper Today Loves Israel. It's an amazing story, and I hope that you'll listen. Also, Dennis Prager on fire, unloading the ugly truth. You've got to listen to that to that interview as well. He was really on fire like the title and uh other great videos here as well just thumb through them they're amazing and you're going to want to share them as well we're going to be right back hopefully with a live interview from moldova um should be interesting we'll be right back how did a nice jewish girl from delaware end up living in israel
2: Welcome back to Israel Unplugged. And uh, as we promised you in the introduction, we have a special guest who is actually our host, but he is not in Israel. He is in Moldova. He is helping Jews uh, escape and come back come back to their homeland. So, Josh, uh, how are you? First of all, how are you?
3: Hi, this is uh, Josh speaking from the border of the Ukraine and uh, Moldova. I'm, I'm right here at the border right now. Uh, we are right now doing a, a, a fact-finding mission to see what is necessary over here, what is needed, and uh, there is a lot of need over here. There's a, a, a steady flow of refugees that are coming over the border, um, both Jewish and non-Jewish, that are coming and escaping uh, the war torn Europe right now. And uh, we are doing whatever we can in order to assist them. They need many things, including uh, shelter. Of course, they need to have uh, food and water and medical supplies. And uh, we are here on the ground doing our best to try to help the, the, specifically the Jewish refugees that are coming out of the Ukraine now. Josh, what
1: group are you with? Who are you representing?
3: Josh? Josh? So I was sent here uh, on a mission from Israel 365. Um, I came with a delegation of United Hatzalah, and uh, I'm representing uh, the the, uh, Israel 365 here and other organizations uh, that NGOs that are assisting in the area. And like I said, we are there. I'm, I'm, I'm just describing what I'm seeing right now. I'm passing by. A uh, tent city of uh, what looks to me as a place where they have set up for refugees, uh, that, this, that the the state has set up for the refugees, but I don't see any refugees in this specific area. could be that they're just preparing for a mass uh, influx in the near future.
2: So you're wearing many hats. Um, now, now, how do you different, differentiate between the Jew, Jews and non-Jews? Is there... Is there any way? Are you allowed to? Uh, what exactly you know, is the purpose?
3: So the chief rabbi of Moldova has made it clear on all of his interviews that he is willing to assist anyone that comes his way, anyone who, who asks for help, regardless of whether they're Jewish or not, whether, uh, regardless of what their background is. Uh, but as far as bringing them to Israel, we uh, there, there are specific laws. The law of return is very clear as to who is allowed to come into Israel and, and gain immediate access. I'm not talking about asylum now. I'm just talking about a regular access according to the law of return, one of the basic laws. And that is that at least one grandparent be Jewish. That does not necessarily mean that they're halakhically Jewish, but uh, that would gain them access. There have been reports, I don't know if, there's, uh, if they're confirmed or not, that 75 percent, of the, of the uh, immigrants right now from the Ukraine are not halachically Jewish, but they, like I said, have at least one grandparent and are eligible under the law of return.
1: Josh, mm-hmm. can you tell us what city you're in and also how many people are trying to get across? I just interviewed someone. She said that the line was 20 kilometers long of cars trying to get in to, um, into... Uh, I'm... Going blank now. Into, Moldova, no, not Moldova into uh, Romania. Sorry, Poland into Romania. Romania okay. Yes, mm-hmm.
3: yes. So, so, like as you correctly said, there there are many borders that uh, the refugees are escaping from. Moldova is just one of them, and even within Moldova, there are different uh, border crossings. Right now, we are in one of the main border crossings uh, called Palanca. It's not far from Odessa on the other side, which is the major Ukrainian city and we are doing our, our best to try to assess what the situation is here. Uh, we know that the situation on the other side of the border is, is not, not pretty. Uh, here it's pretty tame as far as what we feel on this side. Uh, the, the course, we feel all that, like we do all over the world. There's a, you know, Prices are going up and there, there's a, maybe a shortage of food and things here. But in general, things are very calm on this side of the border. Uh, On the other side of the border there, I'm sure you've heard all the reports of what's happening in the Ukraine. And uh, we are here, like I said, on the ground in order to assist wherever we can, uh, the refugees that are that are pouring over their thing. And again, I think that this we're just seeing now the tip of the iceberg because we, we are seeing perhaps hundreds of refugees here. But we we suspect that within the very near future, we will be seeing numbers in the thousands
2: so so josh you're telling me that um you know there are many native uh, jews who are natives of uh, of the ukraine okay you're saying that they might not be halakhically jewish but they they had at least you know some connection to judaism a grandfather a grandmother or whatever um are are we talking about people who have been there for you know generations uh you know, they 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 were there when it was part of the USSR and under under communism, uh, or these people that came from other places. Like I've understood that there's a lot of Israelis there also. Uh, what exactly? Right. What? Yeah. What are we talking about?
3: So 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 you're correct. There there are two different groups. One group is uh, are are the native. I'm going to call them native Ukrainians. Of course, there's no Jewish native Ukrainians. We're all from. <laughs> Uh, Israel, but uh, they got lost in the exile over there, and they've been there perhaps for generations. Uh, on the other hand, you have a a large community of Israelis that have uh, have been living, uh, even some of them for many years in the Ukraine. Uh, a lot of breslover Hasidim that are in, in were in Uman and the are areas around Uman, which uh, most have evacuated by now, and they're they're on the way out. The Israelis, the ones that that already have the Israeli citizenship. Uh, have it relatively easy. They can they can easily um, get onto a plane, and uh, we're assisting with that as well. But they can get on a plane and they can go already on the way to uh, back home. The non-Israelis have a have a process to uh, be vetted in order to make sure that they we're we're getting the people that we want to get into the into Israel. Mm-hmm. Josh, can Maybe. you?
1: Sh- Oh, sorry, Rabbi, go ahead. No, no, go on, go on, go on. Can you share a story with us that happened that most impressed you or, or made you feel very emotional that you've been through there?
3: Well, I, I can tell you that I've nonstop been speaking to people here and encouraging them to come home, come home to Israel. Um, I can tell you that I have, uh, I have felt um, a, a, a tension in the air the entire time. And uh, I I have I'll tell you two things. One thing is I was speaking to someone who was asking about what I felt about the management that was going on in in the area. And uh, and I told them the truth is I'm very uncomfortable. The fact that there are still Jews here, because I think that the Jews shouldn't be here and they should be coming home immediately. And another person said to me, actually, that uh, um, another group actually said that I was scaring them. Uh, I was scaring them because of, of what I was telling them. I, I believe that the only safe place for Jews in the world is here, in, is, is in Israel, and uh, that they should come home immediately. And, and, and if I was scaring them, I told them, I guess I was doing a good job because that's exactly was my intention.
1: So where are they headed mm-hmm. for most of them?
3: Uh, so I, I, unfortunately, I would, I would say that the majority of them are not headed to Israel. There are a lot of them that uh, are looking to do one of two things. Either they're looking for temporary refuge. They're looking to uh, move uh, as Jews have been wandering their entire, uh, our entire history. They, they are going from place to place. Um, they have, they're coming to the Moldova. They're going to Poland. They're going to Romania and they're temporarily going to camp out there in, in, unless things continue to spread and then they'll move on. There is another group that are looking to move um further west towards europe and when they get to western europe that they're going they they either already have places in hungary or romania or other places in western europe uh the western from from where i am obviously that's not considered west europe but um and and uh some of them are trying to find their ways uh, even further to the united states and canada some of them are seeking asylum there's there's a large group like i said Um, unfortunately i think most people here are hoping that this conflict is going to end soon and that they will be able to return to their homes in the Ukraine. How
1: long will you be there?
3: Uh, so that I, I can't really answer that question. I'm supposed to already uh, leave. I have I had a flight, already a few flights that I've been postponing. And uh, I'm here, you know, as long as I'm needed here, I may have to go back and forth because I have other obligations besides what I'm doing here. But, uh, but there is, a, like I said, a lot of need I am not seeing, besides the delegation from United at Sala that I was with on the way here, I'm not seeing, uh, unfortunately, all the, all the NGOs uh, from uh, around the world, but Jewish organizations that uh, should be here helping out. I, I do not see them at anywhere, at least as of now I haven't seen them. So I'm not sure where they are. I, like I said, I'm here, I'm on the ground, and uh, unfortunately I, th- th- there's not much uh, besides what we're doing uh, here, there's not much else happening.
2: So Josh, you said before that there are, uh, of, uh, Jews from Uman, uh, who are, who are coming back home. Uh, you know, we've discussed this many times about, uh, the problematic nature of the, those who leave, uh, the land of Israel on Rosh Hashanah and go to, uh, Uman. So maybe, uh, Maybe one good thing might come out of this, and uh, you know, Jews will stay where they belong and uh, and and not run off to to Uman or hopefully anywhere else. Uh, and, and they'll understand that the only place that the Jewish we people belong. We can
3: hope, but I, I, unfortunately, I, that's not that's not the message that I'm getting from them. But I can I can only hope that they're learning a lesson right. from this.
2: Of course, of course. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, it takes it takes a little bit more than. Just threat of a war to uh, to make people realize that uh, that they don't belong anywhere but Eretz Yisrael. Uh, you know, we really hope that, uh, of course, everyone's okay. And uh, and you know, thank you for giving us this time. We have to go to a break now, and uh, we'll continue right after the break.
1: Be safe, Josh.
2: Welcome back to Israel Unplugged. Um, we had a, a very exciting, very meaningful discussion with Josh Wander in, uh, on the ground in Moldova, on the uh, border with Ukraine. And, you know, as, as has come up so many times on the show, the issue of um, God sending signs to the Jewish people that it's time to come home and uh, I'm pretty sure that I've mentioned before the the, the, the idea that's found in, in the book Banim Smecha, which I translated. Uh, he quotes the great Hasidic master Rabbi Simcha Bunim of Peshischa, uh, who who interprets a verse in Shira Shirim, the Song of Songs, Mosheini Acharecha Naruta, that. Without going into all the details, that basically there's two ways God tries to uh, acquire us, buy us back, take us back from the exile. The first is to encourage us with kind words, and to call us, so to say, to come back to the homeland and and beginning begin the redemptive process. But then if the Jewish people don't get the message and don't hear, so then God is forced to sometimes uh, speak to us, let's put it this way, speak to us in a little bit of a harsher manner and actually smite us and beat us in order to or have a meaning, allow us to be uh, beaten by our enemies so that we run away. and We run from the exile back to the land of Israel because God's ultimate uh point that his ultimate goal is to get us back is to get us back to the land of Israel and of course that also is only a means to get us back to his service to make us uh, do what we're supposed to do which is serve him fully which of course can only be done in the land of Israel so so a friend of mine who is a big fan of my books and we've been in touch many times so he recently just the last just the last few days uh, wow. Turned to me and uh, told me that on Facebook he's been he he recently posted that piece from Ema Banim Smecha, and there in Ema Banim Smecha he says, and we also see this in a certain midrash, and he quoted the midrash, and one of the people who <clears throat> who who is I don't know who who reads his uh, his Facebook. Uh, posts, uh, who he says is a very, very special person and someone who actually even himself thought about uh, making Aliyah a long time ago, but basically got stuck outside the land of Israel, we won't say from where, <clears throat> and, and how he found that the quote from the Midrash that Rav, Kook, that Rav Tachtal, I'm sorry, that Rav Tachtal, uh, uses, seems not to really prove the point, and it's it, it's talking about that one has to crave not Israel, not the land of Israel, but the rebuilding of the temple, and, and, and he ends off with one thing. He ends off by saying that um, it, as of now, the meaning of this Midrash would imply that both people in and out of Israel are in the same boat in this regard, meaning that those Jews who who uh, yearn for the building of the Beit HaMikdash, of the temple, and that has nothing to do with the yearning for the land of Israel, only the temple. So he turned to me, my friend, and he said, he wanted to know how to answer this guy and with whether I know with the source of the Midrash, whether it was misquoted, mistranslated, all these different things. And I've been going back and forth with him. And I and I realized after a while that the real problem here is not, uh, and by the way, Rav, Rav Tachtal explains the midrash and he explains he brings another midrash very similar to it and he explains how Eretz Yisrael is the source of it all that you know you can't really yearn for the temple until you yearn for the land of Israel also anyway but that's not the point the point is that this person is grabbing for straws to be anything to be able to not be proven that he should be coming to Eretz Israel. He's comfortable where he is. He's comfortable in the diaspora. And, and the way I said it to him was, you just brought an unbelievably powerful piece, one of the most powerful pieces in the entire book, by Rav Simcha Bunim of Peshischa, who says that, 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 that basically God sometimes is forced to force us out of Galut and to, to make it very uncomfortable for us in the in the exile. By the way, the reason he quoted this whole thing was because of what's going on in the Ukraine. And how the Ukrainian Jews are finally, you know, waking up that 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 maybe that's not where they belong. And and here is this Jew in the diaspora, in a more comfortable diaspora, and all he can focus on is this one little quote by Rav Thahtal after this beautiful and very powerful idea that, that, that tries to back it up with a midrash. And, and that is just, you know, missing the point. You know, Rav Tachtal very often brings 10 or more proofs for one idea. And, you know, you, you think to yourself, why did he do that? Just prove it once. And the answer is exactly for this reason. Because if you, for some reason, will maybe have, have a way of disproving or, or canceling this proof that I brought, well, I have another one and another one and another one and another one. That doesn't matter because when a person is looking for an excuse, they'll find an excuse. This is similar to what I always say when I teach about the importance of uh, uh, the mitzvah, the actual halachic obligation of a Jew to live in Israel. So I, I usually teach that um, after I teach the importance of living in Israel for many, many months. I talk, teach about I. I, I quote all these important these sources that are more hashkafic, more um, philosophic, that are not dry halachic sources, but uh, the sources that talk about how special it is to live in Israel, how how great one's connection to God is in Israel, much better than than outside the land, et cetera, et cetera. And I only get to the discussion of the mitzvah part, whether it's an technically an obligation to live in israel in our day and age from a halachic perspective i only get to that at the very end and and people ask like why do you do that why shouldn't you shouldn't we start off this discussion by finding out whether it's a mitzvah to live in israel or not and the way i answer it always is that if i would do that if i would start with that and i would quote i'm intellectually honest and i quote that there are some sources there are some great rabbis over the generations who felt that it was not an obligatory mitzvah to live in the land of Israel. So then that would close their minds from the very beginning to hear anything else I would have to say from there on in. Because from the at, 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 at the very start, they would say, oh, so... Rav Moshe Feinstein, for example, says that one doesn't have to live in Israel and therefore I don't, have to, I don't even have to listen to you. I don't even have to care because Rav Moshe Feinstein says you don't have to. That's why I leave that for the end. I first want to show people how it is so clear from the sources in the, in the Torah and in the writings of the rabbis how clear it is, how special It is for a Jew to live in Israel that when we get to the discussion about the mitzvah of living in Israel, even if I do quote, and of course I do quote Rav Moshe Feinstein's tshuva, his his responsa on the issue, you'll say, "Okay, maybe Rav Moshe Feinstein says it's not an obligation, but who cares? I want to come to Israel because I understand how special it is and how how um, how much greater. I can be as a Jew. How how much I can enhance my uh, connection and relationship with God if I live in Israel? That I don't care if I have an, a halachic obligation or not. By the way, the majority of of, of halachic decisors say that you do have an obligation to live in Israel. But then you won't care about the one opinion that says otherwise. So why am I bringing this in? Because it's the same thing here. You have you have somebody who hears a beautiful and a very very compelling argument. But since there was one slight fault in it, possibly, right, some way he'll, he'll, he'll jump on that and he'll use that as an excuse why he doesn't have to listen to the rest of it. He's not disproving the first part. He's only disproving the proof of the first part, but that doesn't matter. And, and, and that's unfortunately what, what's happening, that, that people – are looking for excuses. You know, it's very uh, disheartening that uh, Josh told us that there's all these Jews, which I, I'm not. I'm not surprised. You know, especially those Jews who are not even poss- possibly not even halakhically Jews. They're certainly very, very far from Judaism. Um, not not because of their own fault, because communism, you know, deprived them of the right to learn Torah and to have a, a Jewish upbringing. So it's not their fault. You know, it's not surprising that they don't want to live in Israel. They want to go all over the world. They don't care. But the bottom line is that the, at the end of the day, God is going to get as many Jews back to the land of Israel as possible. The only question is, are we going to listen to these, these constant reminders, these or these subtle reminders that God gives us? So subtle reminder could be, you know. All the great things about Israel, hearing on the news how how special a country it is, and how which you don't really hear on the news so much. But whatever, if you're listening to the right stations, and you can you can hear it. Those that's one way, and then you know Hashem will will send us uh, some subtle hints. You know you're not getting the you're not getting the point. I think you should wake up, and he sends the beginning of a war, and then we don't want it to get to the point where it's like in the Holocaust. That's what Teichetel was talking about. That. That, that Hashem has to really, really punish us in order to get us to, to get out of there and to run away. And, and I think that is the message. That is the message here that Jews throughout the world, we have to understand that Galut, the exile, is exactly that. It's an exile. It's a punishment. It's not where we belong. We belong in the land of Israel. And sooner or later, we're going to have to get there. We better. It's better if we get there sooner and, you know, on our own two feet and with all of our wealth with us than to wait till it's too late. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to Israel Unplugged. Uh, so well, this is our last segment, and we're going to uh, ask our uh, producer Tamar Yona to uh, to share with us some uh, interesting articles that she recently read.
1: Well, I'm I'll just uh, come on and, and I'll start to read, and then you jump in anytime you want with a comment because I'm sure you will have one. Here's one from sure. the Times of Israel. It's called "Save Us." Hundreds of Israelis. Stuck in the Ukraine, call the foreign ministry hotline. It says that uh, the as the ar- Russian army invaded, Israelis have been calling the foreign ministry in hopes of being rescued from the war-torn country. Why don't you rescue us? Save us? Some begged. An Israeli diplomat told The Ynet news site on thursday there was a real panic on the phone people were under tremendous (laughs) pressure he said any comment you want to jump in yet
2: yes i definitely want to jump in i mean first of all uh you know who told you to be in ukraine to begin with okay so maybe you had some kind of business deal there that's fine so you go there for a for a short time but to actually settle down there and live there outside of the land of israel uh, that bothers me but even more so Much more so. It's not like out of the clear blue sky, Russia just attacked and we had no one had any idea. No one saw it coming. It's been it's been uh, predicted for the last how many months? There's something called a military buildup. You didn't see that coming? You thought it was just a joke? You didn't think it was gonna actually happen, really? You didn't get out of there in time. This is the this is the problem with the Jew throughout history. They they're given they're given hints, as I said before, and they're given, you know, signs, and they just ignore the signs. They ignore what's what's written on the wall. It's really a, really a big problem. What yes, you think?
1: wishful thinking and denial. So let me continue here. The foreign ministry estimated there were around 8,000 Israeli citizens still in the country, including 200 families in Uman near the tomb of Rabbi Nachman of Bresla. By the way, uh. when they say Israeli citizens, 8,000, people need to realize that some of these Israeli citizens are Arabs who are studying abroad. Um, and just keep that in mind. We did not believe no, for a moment. No, so all but... of a
2: sudden now they like the state of Israel. Now, now, <laughs> now they love us. They want us to come and save them. <laughs> and, you know, I, look, it could be there are some there are some amazing Israeli Arabs who are very Zionistic and they care about the state and, and they don't want to see its downfall. But, uh, unfortunately, there are also a lot of the, uh, of the opposite type.
1: So they say here, we did not believe for a moment that such a thing would happen. So that... You, you had just said that. How do did they, did they not believe it? <laughs> Even in the worst-case scenario, Elisha Shlomi, a resident of Uman, told Ynet, everyone is evacuating today. I cannot specify to which country, he said, and he said this on Thursday, so that was a few days ago. A number of Israeli Arab students also returned to the Ukraine prior to the invasion in order to take exams at a university in Kharkiv. Um f- following Russia's invasion many areas of the Ukraine have become isolated with the country's airspace completely clear of any flights making travel by land the nearest western border crossing the only way out so people should realize that the airports are closed there is no um there is no air traffic and in in, in addition to that you should all know that all men that are in the Ukraine, that are Ukrainian citizens, even if they're Jewish, doesn't matter. If you're between the age of 18 to 60, you are not allowed to leave the country. They want you to be there in order to fight and become a soldier. So they're not letting anyone wow. between those ages leave.
2: Over <laughs> I, the, I'm, yeah. I'm 57 years old. Almost 58. And trust me, they would not want me to fight in the army. I don't know what they're going to do with the 50 year old. Uh, I could understand maybe between 18 and 30 something, uh, maybe 40, I could hear, but what up till 60? Yeah. I guess All right. Anyway, desperate. I guess they're that desperate.
1: <laughs> Over the first day of fighting, the Foreign Ministry's situational room said it had received hundreds of calls from Israelis in the country asking for help or directions. To leave. Speaking with the Khan public broadcaster here in Israel, um, th- the of- officials are experiencing trouble getting people out. Quote, We are mostly having difficulties with the big cities where people are unable to leave, he said from the mission's temporary new office in the western city of Lviv. I hope I pronounced that right. Lapid. In, in, yes? in, in
2: Hasidic, it's called Lavov. Lavov.
1: Lavavav. Okay. Lapid, um, in instructed all embassy staff to make the move due to fears of an all-out Russian invasion that would target the Ukrainian capital. They set up shop in an office building owned by Israel's Honorary Council in the Ukraine. The same building Israel temporarily opens around Rosh Hashanah to help deal with the thousands of Israeli pilgrims making their way to the Ukrainian city of Uman. And they end here saying that other Western nations, including the United States and the United Kingdom, moved their embassy staff uh, a week earlier. Brodsky said that while many people were unable to leave Ukraine due to various constraints, he did he did note that others had quote taken too lightly unquote the warnings Israel issued since the threat of invasion arose. You want to keep you wanna make a comment so yeah. far?
2: No, no. No, that's here then that's to the next piece you have.
1: All right. Actually there's a little bit more here. Let me just read. it oh, says sure. here uh, both Prime Minister Naftali Bennett and Foreign Minister Yair Lapid earlier Thursday repeated calls for Israelis to leave the Ukraine by land. Israel has called on its citizens to evacuate through western border crossings. It has stationed representatives at border crossings into Poland, Slovakia, Hungary and Romania, in order to assist Israelis leaving Ukraine, representatives are also being sent to a Moldova crossing perhaps that's where Josh is
2: that's Josh that is where Josh is yeah all right yeah you know you know, I, I, I I don't know if this is relevant but it's uh, you said before about uh, you know we don't really have such uh, such a feeling of uh, pity for the Ukrainians themselves because they're not exactly. You know, the, 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 throughout history, let's put it this way: there, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of situations, a lot of times that they persecuted the Jewish people. Um, I'm remembering now that uh, actually it was Ukrainians who killed Rav Taftal, the author, the author Barim Smecha. He survived most of the war, and while he was being uh, transported on one of the, you know, the death trains they call it, right, uh, out of Germany because the uh, the Russian forces funny they were they were the ones who were saving uh, you know who were defeating nazism at the time defeating the germans so uh they they the the germans took uh, the the victims the jewish victims that were in the concentration camps and they brought them in inland to germany so uh on his on the way back on the way back into germany to the uh, i forget what the name of the concentration camp that it was bringing him to anyway he was he was on a train and and uh, the nazis would you know would starve the jews on the trains for a long time and then just throw in a few pieces of bread and they would uh, get get uh, their kicks out of watching them fight for those pieces of bread and what happened was that there was an old man who desperately desperately fought for that piece of bread and he got one of the pieces of bread and then a, a ukrainian who was also a prisoner there, a Ukrainian, or he's a, I don't know, he was a, pr- a prisoner maybe. And they, they were also working with the Nazis, whatever it was, tried, took it away from him. And then Rav Teichetal, who was a 60-year-old man, he stood up to him and don't forget he also was starving and you know, had been, been through Auschwitz and, and other terrible things. He stood up to him and he said, don't do that. You have to give him that piece of bread. Give it back to him. And everybody there told him, stop, don't, don't get involved. It will cost you your life. And he said he can't stand by and watch when this poor Jew needs that bread so de- desperately, he can't just stand by and not say anything. And he did. And the Ukrainians who were there, the Ukrainian officers, or or, or the, they were also uh, again they were also prisoners. They they rose up and they beat him to death. They beat to death this great great Sadiq Rav sacha Shlomach uh, along with many other many other situations and uh, that, that that Ukrainians killed uh, Jews. So we're just uh, mentioning that uh, at this time.
1: Right. And uh, though uh, we here in Israel are always praying for the safety of all the civilians that are in danger, uh, we also recognize the fact and remember that the Ukrainians were extremely vicious to the Jewish people throughout history and they um, they, they say that even before the Jews saw a Nazi soldier, the Ukrainians were already killing the Jews there. So um, there's there's not a lot of good feelings towards the Ukraine in that sense, but at the same time, we are, we are all brothers and sisters and we're praying for the safety of everyone uh doesn't matter russian or ukrainian or or anywhere in the world all right rabbi we only have like a minute left um let me just read you the headline and then you can comment and say goodbye israel's now readying uh this is from the jerusalem post uh they're saying israel's now readying for ten thousand immigrants from the from the ukraine in the coming weeks and that was just published on the 26th of February, which was two days ago, we're talking, uh, I guess it was Saturday night. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, Comment. so look, let's hope uh, that these 10,000 are are halakhic Jews. Um, again, as I said before, even if they're not, we have to have pity on them, and it's not their fault that they're... That they that their ancestors married out, and you know uh, that they are no longer halakhically Jewish because it was all communism's fault. It was all you know the lack of uh, Jewish education. So maybe this is the way God is, you know, bringing them back somehow to the Jewish people. We just hope that. Uh, Let's put it this way. Uh, I'll end with this. The Gemara says in Megillah that war is the beginning of redemption. Believe it or not, the Khatam Sofer says based on that Gemara that we're not supposed to pray for a war to end. We're supposed to pray that Jews shouldn't be hurt. And that's what we pray for. But we hope that this will be the final war that will bring the coming of the Messiah, the real true Mashiach. Speedily in our days. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you.